0: Hello and welcome to the first of many episodes, well hopefully first of many episodes, of solving the world's problems. This is going to be just a little chit-chat from myself and my friend Harry, and we're gonna talk about the top five interest, most interesting news articles across sport, technology, politics, etc., which have spiked our interest and things we want to chat about. So hopefully it'll give you a little lowdown on your Monday morning and you catch up on anything you may have missed. Hi, Harry. Hello, John. Thank you very much for uh, co-hosting this podcast today. Nice, my pleasure. So um, the top five topics we're going to talk about today, let's start with number one. Um, We're going to discuss the beast from the east, the snow which has hit the UK and much of Europe, and how it's had an awful effect on almost every single public transportation sect- sector in, uh, definitely in the southeast. That's something that has directly been uh, affected myself and Harry. And just like the other things that people aren't really speaking about, um, is this the start of a lot of uh, extreme weather conditions which we may potentially see in the future? Um, no one's really highlighting how the homeless have been hit. Maybe there's been little articles here and there, but the mainstream news is definitely something they haven't considered. Um, so it's just something we're gonna chat about, and how it's affects us personally, and what the bigger picture is really. So Harry, did the weather affect you at all during this week? Yeah, massively. And it's interesting that we're talking about this as our
1: number one topic, normally the weather's something uh, quite mundane, but where it's affected the South East so much, and us personally, and, and our friends, um, it's, it has highlighted quite a lot. I think um, certainly it's it's um, got everyone thinking about the homelessness issue. Um, I, you know, what, what I've noticed is certainly in conversations I've had everyone's talking about how sorry they feel for the homeless, you know, when they're just basically waiting for a train and how cold they feel all wrapped up. Um, you know, I'm imagining what it'd be like to actually spend the night on the streets. I mean, it's, it, is, it is literally lethal. Um, so yeah it's uh, it has certainly affected affected me been not able to commute into um, into London yeah. due to the disruption on the on the trains Very and it, difficult. it kind of shows the um, the fact that the infrastructure in in the uk not just in the southeast but you know we saw it in, in Scotland on the roads on the trains um even even there was some gas shortages. Um, you know, if we're not geared up like, say, the Scandinavian countries or Canada to deal with the weather, so it has a massive impact uh, on our ability for just, you know, day-to-day stuff
0: yeah for sure for sure so it's obviously like the day-to-day implications of it um, and there was obviously the media in general and news people who write the news stories and youtubers etc all loving it it's something it's a big topic to talk about because obviously it affects everyone everyone wants to hear about it um, But as Harry rightly said I feel like a lot of conversations were about like the homeless in general but I personally didn't see anything in mainstream media of how for example maybe like the government and helping the homeless is there like a big planning? Have you seen anything? True. Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of the stories focus on
1: local communities. So I saw a lot of a lot of one one down in Western Supermare for example, where there wasn't any homeless shelters, um, and the local um, the um, volunteers, sorry, that have actually had to step in and and uh, open up sort of emergency shelters, um, and a few things on social media where some initiatives have been set up where if you see a homeless person, you can report it, and there are people that are going out and making sure that you know the vulnerable had somewhere to stay, but you're right, there wasn't anything, um, you know, that we really saw from the government sort of saying um, the homelessness issue in general, it was just, you know, it's just because it's particularly perilously cold outside, but for both of us who obviously work in London, it's something that's just part of the background of our daily lives, but something that's Mm. a bit of a stigma and not talked about
0: too much. Yeah, definitely. I um, I gave a pair of trainers to a homeless man. last couple of weeks yeah it wasn't really that heroic I just had them on me and he was walking around with no shoes on and uh they didn't fit my bag so I gave them to him to him but yeah uh, so I got hopefully he was wearing them during the snow um yeah but just like the wider uh uh consequences of this weather like so I was reading a little bit up about the general like weather system at the moment and I was, was read a lot of things that essentially are suggesting that because the polar ice caps um, are melting and getting warmer the this big bubble of cold air essentially I don't know what the, the name for it is that sits over the Arctic apparently when it separates all the cold air comes from there and hits it hits Europe so obviously New York about a month ago saw New York and the East Coast saw like massive snowstorms huge uh, sh- huge storms and then we've been affected in the same way basically so So snow fell in Rome for the first time in six years and only the second time in 30 years. Um, Norway recorded their coldest temperature in a long time, it doesn't say exactly how uh, long, but they were the coldest, minus 43 degrees um, Fahrenheit, minus 42 degrees Celsius um, in other parts of the country. yeah, so, so if Europe feels like the Arctic now, the Arctic itself is balmy by comparison. The North Pole is above freezing mark in the dead of winter. And yeah, it's like the warmest recorded, warmest January ever recorded in 2018 for the North, North Pole. So yeah, I don't know. So maybe maybe climate change is upon us. and it's,
1: it's a tough one. I mean, we're obviously not meteorologists and you see a lot of conflicting information. Mm. Um, the Met Office did say that Storm Emma was not a result of global warming or climate change and that it was you know I could give a crude description that it's a, a, a delayed jet stream um I don't actually know what that is but you know, that's what they've said kind of on the record yeah no it's, seen much there you of the it's called the polar
0: vortex which is vortex. which is the uh the bubble of air essentially which sits over the, sits over the north pole and when it when it separates and when there's a gap in it the yeah. cold air floods out into Europe and other northern hemisphere places so yeah and apparently in general if global warming uh well climate change whatever you want to call it carries on at the same same vein um Europe and northern hemispheres and northern America will cold uh will become cooler while polar ice caps in the north become cold uh warmer sorry so yeah it's definitely that maybe this is this isn't just a one-off Freak still, maybe these things are going to become more more frequent now.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope not. Yeah, like, I hope not as well. It's one of these things with, with climate change. I mean, you've got to be quite ignorant to just brush it aside and ignore it. But even though that does seem to happen uh, mm-hmm. in sort of mainstream politics, but at the same time, it's something you try to put out of mind. An yeah, inconvenient truth. For I think, that yeah,
0: yeah it's one of those things where it's like... Um, it's like because we can't see the polar ice caps melting every day, we can't see the sea levels rising every day. Um it's 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 hard as a human being on earth who's only got another I don't know 60 70 years at max to actually give a shit about essentially. I've got to say actually,
1: you know, um so slightly off topic, but I was just reading um Ernest Cline's Ready Player One, which I was telling you uh, about, yeah, yeah. which is obviously set in um the two thousand and forties, and it follows like a, a young boy, and it's in a world where um, climate change has has had radical impacts on society. It's not that's not necessarily the focus of the novel, but it's it's something that plays out, and it did kind of get me thinking. You know, we are touch wood going to be here in that time, and from what we see, you know, some of the effects are going to start to happen. So maybe these uh, these cold February
0: is going to be something we're going to have to get used to. Yeah, yeah. And the back end of like uh, the back end of 2017 saw like a lot of extreme weather conditions as well. So, yeah. So there's not much really a conclusion we can come to on this, but stay tuned for more extreme weather in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: So, onto a very different topic, um, we want to talk about the Oscars, which are which are coming up. Um, the biggest event of the award season, and particularly the news that j Jennifer Lawrence and Jodie Foster are going to be presenting the Best Actress Award, um, which breaks the tradition. Um, it would have been Casey Affleck, who was the Best Actor from the previous year, um, and he stepped down um, due to sexual harassment uh, lawsuits that he had when he was making a previous film, uh, and notably during last year's Oscars. Ox- o- uh, ox- Oscars, sorry, Brie Larson didn't clap when she presented the award to him. Uh, and given the theme of sexual harassment and abuse towards women in the entertainment industry, um, it's obviously quite a, a kind of big moment. Um, even though we've seen a lot of political moments in the award season this year so far, the Oscars have always been quite sort of sacred and traditional. To see this is it is quite a big step. Um, And we've also seen that there will be a specific segment um, dedicated is the word they've used to the Me Too movement. Um, So it's really set to be a a fairly political event. Uh, I mean, what do you think, John?
0: Yeah, um, there's obviously like there's good things and there's bad things to it. Like, it's good that finally these, um, obviously these events are obviously very prestigious and they have a lot of history to them. So unfortunately, the way... The world and the acting world has been set up. A lot of actors and actresses have been predominantly white. Um, the, a lot of the protagonist roles have been predominantly males as well. So, as we come into a more modern society, and women and um, other people from other races, black people, Asian people, etc., are having more of these roles. The it's good that, that it's being spoken about um, as an issue, but I, I am I don't know if it's the right place to discuss such political things, um, such sensitive things, especially from people who, although they are very famous, um, very successful actors and actresses, are they the right people to be speaking about these sort of uh, these sort of things? It's, it's difficult because at the same time, I mean, they would argue
1: that they want to use the platform to spread awareness. And it's that, it's that kind of debate whether it's, you know, is the entertainment industry and, say, casting in Hollywood, gender pay, things like that, um representation, is that a reflection on society? Um, you know, is Hollywood playing catch up or is it the other way around? Does representation in Hollywood lead to better representation mm. within uh, you know, other industries? So you know, they would argue that they like to use that platform, but I I would definitely agree. Um you know, I think most people are generally of the opinion that the you know there is a major sexual harassment problem and most people are quite supportive yeah, of the movements. Sure, but if we if we look back to the Golden Globes Earlier this year, the monologue that um, Seth Meyers gave—you know—normally these events are a little bit political, but it was pretty much entirely centered around that. Very anti-Trump. Um, yeah. And bear in mind, you know, half the population of America did vote for Donald Trump,
0: and there are a lot of concerns. I think peoples. I think a lot of a lot of the uh, actors and actresses want to show as an American, and they want to separate themselves from Trump. Um, so they use these these things, these platforms, and the and these events as a way of doing that. Um, so you can sort of see why they do it but again is it the right thing to do yeah
1: but either way I think we definitely are going to see it heavily at the Oscars I think we're going to see a lot of protesting with the pins and the black dresses Mm. I mean I must say what does the black dresses actually represent so it's in protest basically to show you know the the abuse against women right so um, so it's got nothing to do with race and equality no it's specifically with the um with the times uh, like abuse against women although interestingly so it's something that we've seen throughout the award season and um Kate Middleton, obviously, so the royals are, are not allowed to have any association with um, any political events, yeah. take sides, that kind of thing. And she wore a green dress to the um, BAFTAs okay. and come under quite a lot of criticism on social media. Why? Because they were saying because that it wasn't she, black. she's someone that you know oh, yeah. is in the public. She's uh, someone that gets involved in. She gets involved in a lot of things, but you know, um, supporting young girls, women, that kind of thing. And she's obviously a big public figure so a lot of people saying well it's not really a political statement you're just supporting a movement that you know most people are supportive of but it was obviously you know the government kind of put restrictions on them I mean I thought she played it quite well she wore like quite a dark green dress so it was quite nondescript. Mm, yeah, yeah, and obviously she's she's um, pregnant as well so I did see a lot of people saying it's hard enough to you know <laughs> dress in maternity wear but I don't know about that but anyway I mean so it is it is very political it is very highly charged Um, and I think we're going to see that, the one thing that I always say, you know, it is entertainment and I don't really, I wouldn't discourage actors to use that platform but it it definitely does alienate people um, and I think it does make it less about the entertainment Uh, and I think this is going to be a landmark because I don't think there's ever been a movement, certainly not in our lifetime, where it's had such a big impact, Mm. I mean the Harvey Weinstein thing was was the B story for for that whole month one final thing I would say, which is going to be very interesting to see, is that Gary Oldman is probably the favourite candidate to win the Best Actor award this year for his portrayal of Winston Churchill. I haven't actually seen the film, but apparently, well, I haven't so. seen it. I,
0: I wanted to see it so badly, and I didn't it, see it. It I'm does great, look good.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah, sure, sure I'm sure we will. But so he he may well win that award, um, and it's. Jane Fonda and Helen Mirren are going to be presenting that, but Gary Oldman actually does have some sexual harassment claims um, dating back to I think about about ten or so years ago. So
0: mm.
1: it would be interesting to see um, if there's any sort of
0: yeah, any sort of yeah, similar yeah. to the Casey
1: Affleck stuff. So we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, so maybe more of the same moving forward, unless there's like drastic changes in the industry. Yeah, which there are slowly slightly becoming. Obviously, the Black Panther film. Mm-hmm massive blockbuster hit, Um majority black cast sensational film Yeah. Um, so yeah so maybe
1: and Wonder Woman as well the female lead
0: yeah Yeah, I think it's those two films have been so successful commercially I mean to be honest all of these DC and Marvel films are yeah. like, for the most part but I, I think a lot of people think that Black Panther film is like the most successful Marvel film ever yeah um, standalone like um, so, but I feel that was less about the representation than the fact it was just a genuinely good film. Yeah, no, yeah, wicked film. So that obviously helps the cause of of these these movements because they're showing that it doesn't matter who you put as the lead, it's, like as long as it's directed properly and there's amazing actors, it doesn't matter what they bloody look like, it's, it's going to be a hit. You know. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is going to be a, a a landmark Oscars and moving forward, it will be will be more um, political. Yeah. But anyway, where we live in the UK, we probably won't watch it live. Yeah, but we'll be I'm like sure catch the it. highlights. Yeah, we'll have a Twitter on it when wake up in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, should we move on to the next? I feel like we can just, we just go straight through, right? Yeah. We're getting good at this. Um, Trump on guns.
1: Yeah, staying this in is America.
0: Nice. Yeah, stay, staying in America. We're our third, third of five topics. Um, so, Trump on guns, obviously, naturally, he is a pro- He's pro guns. He's is it the Fifth Amendment, Second Amendment, Second Amendment? Sorry, I get confused. So um, it's the he's very he's a he's an outright someone who backs the Second Amendment. Um well, he's a patriot, he's a nationalist. Yeah, he's a patriot. He's a he's a, he's a, he's a uh, Republican. So it's for him to come out on a live television broadcast with other lawmakers in the room and essentially one say that the age for assault rifles should be raised to twenty one, which is a very um moderate ruling to try and put in, but still like but it's
1: against what the NRA say. It who is, know and are very it's powerful. against
0: a lot of people in, in his party as well. Yeah. For him to say that, I know we've already touched on when we spoke earlier that it may be for his own uh for his own self image in the media etc his own like trump fans he wants to please them because he knows that the majority of americans would agree with him um it's still it was i actually i was actually quite i couldn't believe what what i was hearing if i'm honest um and then for him to mock i don't know who he was speaking to exactly but for him to mock that particular lawmaker in the room um saying that he was scared of the nra to, that he was scared of the NRA was just—it uh, was actually quite refreshing to see.
1: But we've seen Trump do this before, where he comes out and says these outlandish things. So he—he's he, kind of like—he has a way, and he, we saw this throughout his whole campaign when he became the president. No matter what stories come out about him, whether they're like the trivial stuff about like people that say they've slept with him or his hair, whether it's about like general, general political stuff, he's able to just brush it off. You know, fake news or this is what I really <laughs> meant, or you know, he—he he, just—it's he, almost like he comes out with these crazy things. Um, or maybe not crazy, but these quite extreme things. And he did obviously, you know, we know that a lot of people within the legislative branch of the U.S. government are funded by the NRA and, and kind of support them. But ultimately, the NRA was a, an early supporter of Trump. And um, and after the meeting he's had mm. with them this week, the White House have come out and kind of he's kind of they've clarified a few things, and it sounds as if it disagrees or contradicts with what he was
0: saying in the earlier meeting. So does, does that basically show that he is a puppet? He's just a giant puppet. And he's just he's just a character. And I there think it are shows lot... that the White House communications department need to kind of like
1: rain damage in. control. Yeah, rein him in for sure.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I yeah, it was something that I don't think isn't being talked about enough. Um, obviously, he gets a lot of. I'm not. I'm anything but a Trump fan. But yeah. He gets a lot of abuse by almost every single media source on earth, other than Fox News. Uh, other than Fox News, yeah. Um, and the one good thing he does. Um, well, it's not even that. Obviously, it's not even that good, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's a more liberal view than he has on almost anything else, and yeah, I, d- I just don't think it's getting enough. He's not getting enough thought. for it. I, I agree to some extent,
1: and I must admit, when when you watch a lot of the um, more liberal um, news outlets have big big sort of profile on uh, social media on, on YouTube, so like Stephen Colbert and and people like that, um, even like James Corden. And they, they've been talking about this because obviously after the uh, Florida shooting it's, it's a huge,
0: huge story. That is a mad ruling and, though um, that an 18-year-old can buy a yeah. soul rifle but they can't buy a handgun. It's just... It's, yeah, So but there's a lot of things like that when it comes to the laws off the
1: back of the Second Amendment. Mm. But I was expecting them to actually kind of give him a little bit of praise because he seems to be going against the NRA and obviously like you say even mocking politicians who uh, are in their pocket but the kind of criticism he was getting was on two fronts really I mean one that it contradicts with what he says previously he seems to kind of change his mind and want to have things both, both ways and it almost seems like he's just trying to appeal to appeal to everyone he just wants to be seen like he's he's being bold and decisive and doing something but at the same time he wants to keep the RA happy and i think the second thing is what's the action that's going to come off the back of this because i think the student protests in this case i don't think it's just going to be one that goes away i think this is this is like another black like, landmark moment um i've never seen so much continued hype over a school shooting or a mass shooting event mm. in america but it's what's going to happen it you know f- for him to pass any laws he can't just snap his fingers he needs to go through congress the senate I'm no expert on American politics, but I know that with the majority of those, say, Republican, it's, it's going to, you know, take a long time and it's going to be very difficult for him to make meaningful legislation go through. So yeah. I think the criticism is, okay, well, let's see see what happens what are you going to do yeah words are, are one thing but how is he going to actually take action on it so yeah it's
0: definitely it's definitely a positive thing um, I don't think I, I do think he isn't getting enough publicity it should be something that people are speaking about positively because at least he's he's at least his words is doing one thing I'm not saying his actions are going to actually change that obviously as the White House have come out and pretty much said that ignore what he said it's different to that and um, so that's obviously evidence of that however yeah I think the problem with guns in general, and we're not talking about guns in general in America, but the guns in general problem is a lot deeper than just Donald Trump. Um, I think it's something that can't just go away, essentially, because the NRA, a lot of those uh, politicians within uh, the Republic Party and probably the uh, Democratic Party will earn a lot of money from the sale of guns. They'll have money invested in that, so it's not something that can go away very quickly.
1: No, but, I mean, I do wonder, do you think it's just going to go through the same repetitive cycle that this debate normally,
0: the way yeah. it normally plays yeah, out? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it will. Unless that's, that's what makes you sad, like, when there's a big mass shooting, and I see it, like, breaking news on Twitter, and this, a lot may, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this, but people may listen to this, and they may find my, um, my answers to this, well, my thoughts on this quite damning, I genuinely don't get I don't feel emotional at all because it's something that happens you've been desensitised yeah utterly desensitised to the point where I just I just know it's complete madness and because I'm not personally affected is something that I almost take as a thing that happens and that's that's just horrendous yeah but I mean I think that's just the
1: nature of things I mean when you see that there's been a bomb that's gone off in Mogadishu you know or something like that you, you desensitize to that I think where the shootings affected us particularly in the past is that you know we live in a Western Western society not so different to America we didn't go to school so <laughs> so long in the past and it's kind of something like what would you do if, if that kind of ostracized kid came in with a with a gun and started shooting the place up yeah it was almost conceivable um, but you're right, it's become so frequent in America, and the
0: debate just goes through the same cycle. That, yeah, it's just boring. It's yeah, like, which is, unfortunately, nothing's. It doesn't look like anything's ever going to change. No, no. And that's that. I think that's the real tragedy. But at the same
1: time, yeah. you know, one one thing going on in the background is that um, the, the students that have been going and speaking on national television and seem to be protesting, um, that were obviously survivors of the Florida shooting, I think they've represented themselves very well, despite some. Um, I think real unfair criticism that they've had from kind of people on on the right wing and supporters of of uh, the gun lobby, but I, I do feel like they've got quite a quite a important voice and you know given what we were talking about earlier with what's happened with um, the women's issues and and the, the movements and how much impact that's had, I wonder whether in this case it'll be
0: different. But I guess we'll have to
1: hmm.
0: we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. What will Trump do next? It would be great. Imagine imagine if Trump just completely changes. He does everything in his power to uh, make the laws on guns a lot stricter. I think he would get a lot of respect. It'd be hard for people like James Corden too. The only thing is, really I think, is. the only thing is, I mean, he may on that side, but
1: at the same time, he would alienate, you know, his entire base. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> well, I don't know where would
0: leave, yeah. leave, leave him standing there. Yeah, it's an interesting space. So moving on to something a lot lighter than that, uh, in sport. So we're going to touch on sport. Um, just quickly now one of the breaking news stories um, is the use of VAR at the World Cup in uh, 2018 later this year so this news comes off that top did you watch the Tottenham versus Rochdale game in the week I did, yeah. Yes. Oh, one, of the, one of the most laughable games ever. Um, it ended with a Tottenham 5 1 defeat, I believe. But the first half was riddled with VAR incidents. 6 1, I thought it was. Was M- it 5 Maybe. No, I think it might be 5. Well, who cares? Either way. Yeah. Rochester yeah, yeah. got smashed. Um, but the first half was 1 all and. The referee, I don't, don't even know who he was. It's some, a, quite a bit of an unknown referee because um, obviously VAR is not being used in the Premier League or any of the national football leagues, but it is being used in the FA Cup. Um, I'm not sure why that is. They're obviously trialling it. They're also trialling in the Italian Serie. A. I think that may be the only two main competitions which is and the used. League Cup as well. League Cup as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's obviously something that's growing in popularity, especially in football federations. Maybe not with the fans, but um, so this particular game was riddled with incident. There was a Tottenham goal disallowed. Um, and with the naked eye, you would honestly not have disallowed it. You can't You can't see the mistake. Um, well, I don't know what the other incident was after that. I know there was a penalty... Oh, yeah, there was a penalty given off the back of it. Cause and if... then disallowed that he found yeah, the penalty. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so the penalty... Son. Yeah, it was uh, Kevin Trippier who was running down the way. He got... Um, he got fouled outside of the box, but after VAR, there was no need to look at it at VAR, but it was obviously something this referee was using a lot in this game. He then gave, gives a penalty because the foul continued into the box. I don't know if that's the right decision or not, but that's the decision that was made. And then Son took a penalty and scored it. Um, I'm not sure if it VAR was, dislarve, was used, it? Yeah, it was, but yeah. essentially his, added to the his stutter was too long and um, it got deemed as a stop stopping his run-up so the goal got disallowed so there were three big incidents in 45 minutes and that led to I think it was seven minutes added on It was at, chaos at, at the end of the first half and it was snowing to hell it was about minus four in Wembley Stadium um, so that obviously added to it as well none of the fans know what's going on yeah. um, the referee couldn't make a decision for himself a lot of the players just found it laughable they lost respect to the referee in just a short space of time Um, And the whole game, doesn't matter what happened in it, everyone's just talking about VAR. So coming off the back of that, that was the last high-profile game that it was used in, we now get told that it's gonna be used in the World Cup. So what do you think about that, Harry? Well, I mean, one
1: thing I also, it it reminded me that there is actually a World Cup this summer, which is obviously exciting. Yeah, Um, true. So I think a a few things that, that concern me with, with the AR And I, I'm not adverse to technology being introduced To sport in general Goal line tech, um, quality
0: absolutely. Yes, work seamlessly
1: Whether, whether this is you know it, for, for broadcasting purposes Or whether it's to for the rules We've seen it in cricket, tennis A lot, lot of American mm. sports I think generally when used right Technology massively increases um, The experience for the audience at home and in the stadium However, in the case of football One thing fairly unique to football Among mainstream sports Is that you have 45 minutes of uninterrupted play. There's very little stoppages. You know, you might get the odd injury, you have fouls and things like that. But generally the play moves quite quickly. Um, and it's something that is. It makes the, the football experience so great, whether you're watching at home or in the stands. And what we know from VAR, and we, we've seen this in other sports, it does add a time delay. And I know there are ways that they, they kind of work it to make sure you know, they can improve the way that the fans are engaged to know what's going on and they can Im- improve the speed of it. I think it just adds further interruption. Um, and the second thing that, that I'll say on it is that football, like other sports, even though there are loads and loads of rules written out and clearly defined, sometimes you do get things that people disagree on. You know, how many times after games do you get pundits disagree whether something should or shouldn't be a penalty, um, even if when you, they bring out the, the referee, ex referee pundits? And I saw an incident um, in the NFL um, earlier. the the season that's just passed, where the the Patriots were playing the Steelers. Huge, huge game. It was going to have big implications to who was going to be the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. And the game basically was decided by a VAR-type decision where a touchdown for the Steelers was disallowed because the player, they they ruled that he didn't um, maintain the catch when he went into the the end zone, basically. And after that, people still to this day disagree whether it was the right or wrong call. they had all the video angles in the world but it just came to somebody making a decision on that yeah. and i think it'd be less pressure on the referee if they just make a decision on the spot to the best of their ability um to their best interpretation of, of the rules of the game and and leave it at that i think whether you know where there is sometimes gray areas is it offside you know and i think it's just going to create a lot more controversy over big
0: decisions and yeah. it doesn't get much bigger than the world cup so the way obviously it gets used in tennis and cause i think you say everyone can say football's different ultimately is it that much different um, so obviously in tennis for example uh, and in cricket they're both sports where it's a small ball traveling very fast and an umpire has to make a split decision and one thing they do in that everyone because obviously it's and in rugby as well they obviously use it in rugby and um, but I just feel I don't know. Maybe it took longer. Maybe we're just going through the teething period and because there's a lot of people heavily invested in football. We're much more aware of this teething period because of that. Maybe yeah. that's the case. However, the way that in all those three big big British sports, they show the fans exactly what's happening, how what how the decisions being made. We all yeah. know why the game stopped. I think that's a, a main problem, yeah. and also what part of the sport it gets used in. So. I don't think for free free kicks that maybe could be a penalty. I don't think every goal has to be checked on VAR. Yeah. I think big decisions where it's obvious something big has happened, so maybe... Yeah. Some foul conduct, um, and the referee is aware that there has been a coming together of players, but he's not sure exactly. Yeah, like he what hasn't happened. seen it, so he needs some additional... Yeah. Yeah. like that's an obvious, obvious way yeah. to use it, and maybe a, a stone cold like penalty decision where a player has gone down. He's not sure if he's been touched or if it's a dive. There, are, like two obvious ways, I think it can be used. But apart from that, I just, I just think let the referees do it. Like, yeah, and that part. I just a lot of people enjoy moaning at the referee and they enjoy the debate of decisions. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why football is so watchable that you touched on earlier previous to this this recording is that unlike a lot of sports, football is forty five minutes of mm. no stoppages, um and just pure pure sport un- un- unadulterated sport. Yeah. Um it is It's an absolutely game changer. Yeah. And it's 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 definitely the, the most popular sport on earth as a, as an audience to watch, and yeah. I feel that in like, I mean, the viewing figures of the
1: World Cup, it does not get bigger. Yeah. I mean, they could not trial this at a bigger stage. It just doesn't get any bigger mm. in terms of
0: sport. So, exactly, especially when it hasn't even been used at like the top leagues yet. It's been used in a couple of cups. Yeah, um, it's been used in the in the Serie R. And to, yeah, you're right, to put it in the World Cup straight away like that. Yeah, he is a game changer. It's anyway, very bold. So. so I hope he doesn't ruin the tournament. No, but we'll wait and see. Still something to look forward to. Yeah. So on to our fifth and final topic of the first ever episode of Solving the World's Problems. Um so the bank of england has warned that bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies inherently are, are inherently risky and fail most basic function as money and therefore there's going to be a big crackdown on them uh, this year so whether that means trading whether that is um third parties who sit on the edge of traders and the currency itself whether there's gonna be cracked on that we don't know exactly what it is but essentially this is the first time the bank of england have openly spoke about cryptocurrencies and where, and basically they're saying they're aware of it and they're gonna try and crack down on it. So I just thought I'd get your opinion in general on cryptocurrency, Harry. Like, do you think it's the future of money? Do you like the technology? Is it just a fad? Like, what, what are you saying? I think I'm just like
1: everyone else in that, that I don't know. I mean, certainly um, we we were probably like quite a lot of people when it became um, really big in the news toward the end of last year, we kind of dabbled in it in terms of investment Um, see if we could kind of ride ride the wave went into some of the more mainstream currencies and the more mainstream exchanges Coinbase etc. like Revolut um, and just to see what was going to happen and it just seemed
0: to be incredibly unpredictable Um, it's not really like any other stock Stock at all, like no. I don't know mu- too much about stocks and shares trading, but I just know that it's it's so much more volatile than any other oh, stock yeah. in the market. It's,
1: it's just crazy. I me mean, that's
0: because it's not controlled by anyone. It's it's controlled by the people and how much they deem it to be worth. Yeah, there's no control on it.
1: Yeah, all throughout the day, you, you know, it'd be it goes up by such huge percentage you know, hourly. Um, it was it was pretty crazy, and I think you know when you you follow the news broadcasting of it, you'd have one person saying it's a bubble, it's a con, it's a scam. You know, some people saying this. This blockchain technology and the technology behind these different uh, cryptocurrencies of the future. Mm. You saw like countries saying they're going to potentially launch their own cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was all everyone was talking about. Everyone next to you at work was investing in this mm. coin here. And they had <laughs> this of, um, yeah. initial coin offering, and all, you know all these things going on. But you know, in terms of what Mark Carney said, I mean, I, I have a lot of you know I listened to what someone like Mark Carney would say on this um, naturally. Um, a central bank is going to be sceptical around something that has so much uncertainty around yeah. it but it is and something um, they can't control as well yeah I don't want to sound ignorant here because this is one thing I'm a bit critical of when you see people going whether it's politicians or I saw that idiot Jordan Belfort that we know the, the Royal of Wall Street oh, yeah. go and start talking about it I mean, he these hates people it. That, he thinks but, it's the worst thing ever but he, he doesn't know about no. this technology you know he's just like the rest of us he's just looking at it from, from a bit of a, a view about all the information um, but one thing that we do know is you know that it is used, um, kind of in an underground market. Mm. It is used to facilitate. Not that other things aren't, but yeah. Um, and clearly, there needs to be a little bit of regulation around it because you know, it is a bit of a, a wild west. I mean, you've seen people taking out, um, you know, mortgages on their homes to to be able to invest. People putting their student loan money into yeah, it, right. things like that. And I think that's where you need to.
0: There's a there's a bloke at my work um, who weren't who will remain unnamed. Um, he just like quite a few of us has received quite a bit of money from his parents um and he essentially when he was younger put that all into cryptocurrency mm. um so he's very much a, he's very much uh heavily invested in it so there's a lot of people like that
1: yeah i mean we've all got that crypto regret don't we you know <laughs> it's not saying we didn't know about our we, we've got a few friends that we were talking about it and um and it's just you know we all think oh why don't we just do it you know but I, I guess mm. um. It's one of those things. I
0: think, um, as a so obviously we've seen so in in particular to this news story um, with the potential of the British banks cutting down on it. Um, we where we've seen in I think it's China and South Korea they both massively cut down on it slash banned it and that saw Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, yeah. Bitcoin Cash all plummet massively when these things happened. So I think if the if that's something in a big western country like the uk if that happened i think the prices would massively plummet um but speaking to people and stuff bitcoins one because of the the nature of the blockchain it's hard to ban it because it's essentially an anonymous currency it's it doesn't go if harry backhouse sends money to john sutcliffe it doesn't go from you to you it goes from one two three four nine six two two nine six Like no one knows who each other is it's anonymous so the whole banning it i think the reason why banks and um powerful people who are heavily invested in in the actual stock market and actual currencies the reason why they don't like it is because it's not regulated and it has the potential to because of the technology itself it has the potential to overthrow eventually um Everyday currency. So Yeah, which the Bank of England obviously has a huge yeah. uh, huge interest in.
1: Um, mm. But no, it's 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 one of those things. And it's interesting, you know, looking at it as a as an investment opportunity, you know, treating it almost as if a stock and what Mark Carney's saying in actually yeah. working as a currency to actually make um, transactions
0: in, in everyday life. Yeah exactly, so right now, sorry to interject there, okay. right now as a, as a stock it's something that's interesting like you mentioned, it's quite fun uh, because of the volatility of it, like you could put 100 quid mm. in on Monday morning and by Friday it could be worth 700 pounds, Like that's just the nature of it. Um, however as a currency, it re- like, I'm talking in general here but they all generally follow the same sort of rules If I were to send you one Bitcoin right now, it would take about 24 hours to 48 hours to actually get to you. So that as a currency and in comparison to sending money online is obviously incomparable. That's not instant enough. People aren't gonna like that. Mm. And then also why would I send you a currency which is that volatile? Because if I deem something to be worth a price and then the next day the money i paid you is double in value. So I can, I do understand where Mark Carney's coming from because it is as a, As a stock it's an exciting thing to try and be invested in and the technology is good however the technology is not good enough for it to be actually a currency and that's what it was intended to be to start with yeah and one thing that does scare me is the security
1: you see so many stories of um, hard drives being stolen or exchanges being Mm. hacked and even when I was transferring you know my relatively modest um, money that I was taking out of you know a very mainstream
0: Exchange,
1: yeah. it was like it felt very convoluted. I was taking out of this Lithuanian account into a oh, Euro, yes. gas, and I, I'd never done anything like it. And I suddenly thought, you know, it, it's obviously <laughs> it, it doesn't feel quite right, so
0: yeah, so yeah, so we'll see if that if these uh these limits do come in from the Bank of England, and if they do, if they have any effect on the currencies, these uh cryptocurrencies themselves. So, so yeah, please go on.
1: No, off the cryptocurrency topic. So one thing I did want to ask you, yeah. even though we wanted to talk about VIR on the sport, um, only a few hours ago, um, Brighton beat Arsenal. Yeah, uh, which I think is their fourth straight defeat. A lot of the crowd seeing Wenger out.
0: Mm. What do you think? Um, I feel sorry for the bloke um, as a man. But then there's a lot of people going to say, why would you feel sorry for a man who gets paid 10 million, however much he gets paid a year? True. Um, I think he should have gone after the FA Cup win. That was the first year I believe they didn't get Champions League football and to win with a trophy and, to, and become the most um, celebrated manager in the FA Cup of all time, I think he should have gone then. And I think this two-year contract um, hasn't done him any favours at all. I think the manner in which Sanchez left showed pretty much that he's lost the belief in the pay- players. Yes, he's bought Aubameyang and he got Mikaterian in exchange for Sanchez. But whereas before I was very much... Um, I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't Wenger in, but I definitely thought he had earned the right to leave when he wants to leave. Unfortunately, I think I think he has got to go. What do you yeah. think?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's unprecedented, really. Um, there are obviously a few examples where you have such um, a long-standing manager and have mm-hmm. such consistent con- success, but it just seems to have had a gradual decline over the years, and now it's at an all-time low. I mean, we often joke to our friends, our Arsenal fans, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's sixth place in the top league in the world. They're still competing for a place in Europe. Yeah. They've made it to a cup final in in the league this year. Still in the Europa League as well because so um, Champions League football. But obviously it's not enough and you have got to remember they're paying extremely high. Ticket prices more than anywhere else. They no, one that's expensive, in yeah. Europe. Expensive grounds and all. Um so that the demand is high and I you know I do think I don't know who would necessarily replace him but when most of the core fan base is is calling for change mm. th- you know the results are you know they should be going to Brighton and getting a win. They shouldn't be getting Humiliated by other top teams two games in a row you know it, I think I think there needs to obviously be some change um, and I yeah so it'll be interesting to see what happens it seems like it's an ever going struggle for our friends that are Arsenal fans yeah. they don't see any end to it um, but yeah I just wanted to see see what you thought I must admit I thought they might try and respond from from the Man City thing, you know we can go down to Brighton. We've got a more talented squad. Yeah,
0: let's let's make sure we get. Through yeah, the did though. you see Peter Cech's tweet? Offers? Yeah, pretty mean, much mean, accepted the fee. And he, for those of you who haven't seen the tweet, he basically says that you can't win any game in the Premier League when your goalkeeper is making mistakes like that. And obviously, he is Arsenal's goalkeeper, so it's quite a damning view on himself. Interesting. I, I find like the players' Twitter
1: profiles sometimes they're run by their oh, like yeah. sort of agents or especially or the, the, the foreign players. Yeah, I mean, well, why do Czechs lived in London for the last 20 years or whatever, but I I thought to do that right after the game and pretty much take, you know, fall on the sword as such, that's quite an emotional thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and, you know.
0: Did- I think a lot of respect goes out to him. I don't know if it, who it helps. I, it, I don't think his mistakes are the sole reason they lost that game. I, I only watched the second half, but it was very much, much the same from Arsenal. There was a lot of, uh, there's a lack of confidence all over the pitch, a lot of players performing the same way they have for years. So I think he's been a bit harsh on himself. I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but you've definitely got to respect the man for coming out and saying that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so if you, anything else you want to discuss this week, Harry? No, I think that's, uh, that's quite a few good stories. Nice, yeah. Thank you very much for listening, if there are any of you. Um, we very much enjoyed making this, and hopefully we can make more in the future. Yeah, nice, good so, fun. Yeah, stay tuned. Thanks, guys.